Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. This is the Judge Jeanine Tunnel the to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. I don't know what you're doing if you're sitting in bed reading the papers or if you're up and out running or if you've been up and back. Uh, but we are ready here and armed to uh, serve justice as we always are here in New York City with all my great listeners on the Red Apple Audio Network. Uh, you know, there's a lot that happened this week, and every week when I think about the show, I try to figure out what has happened in the past week that clearly is going to enter into next week, and I try to focus on those issues. But I got to tell you, this week has really been crazy. Uh, it seems like the world is on fire, the banks are failing, the Russians are crashing our drones, and the Biden administration keeps fighting and keeps fighting. What are they fighting? They're fighting climate change. So Kamala Harris goes on to Stephen Colbert and he asks her what the role of the vice president is and shock everybody. She can't answer it. So he actually, Stephen Colbert actually asks her again, what does the vice president do? Uh, and, uh, she doesn't have an answer. What does, what is the actual role on a daily basis as you have found it? Well, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States. He is um, an extraordinary leader, and I wish that people could see what I see, because uh, there's only one person who sits behind that resolute desk. And the decisions that that person has to make are the decisions that nobody else in the country can make. And he's an extraordinary leader. Well, that's an excellent answer. And uh, the question was, what is the job of the vice president? (laughs) And your answer is part of the job, I'm guessing. And as if that isn't enough uh, to be concerned about in this country, what we're dealing with right now is an administration that is literally... Uh, not going to hearings that involve the border. So the Republicans are having hearings on the border talking about what is going on, and the Democrats refuse to show up. They absolutely refuse to show up. The ones who are on the Homeland Security Committee, who should be at the hearing because it's their committee, the ones whose jurisdiction extends to those areas that the committee is looking at, uh, and the ones who are working for us, we pay their salary. We're the taxpayers who fund them. And yet these people don't think that it's important enough to go to these hearings, which shows you, folks, it's all about ideology. It's not about us anymore. It's not about the average American. It's about the left saying we're not even going to try to find out what's going on, even when we're in a position to cross-examine anyone you bring in. But here's the kicker, folks. They even registered their own witness that they were going to have testify at the Homeland Security hearings, and they pulled out. Probably the witness pulled out, and they weren't going to be privy to even hearing what they're doing at the border. So as the Democrats uh, Democrats dodge the border hearing, uh, the migrants are storming a point of entry. Now, folks, you know, do you remember the beginning when, uh, during the Biden administration, when all the leftists were saying, you can't call it a surge, you can't call it an invasion? Well, now, there was a real surge at the border. 
thousands literally surging the border uh, in an area they stormed a point of entry. And the administration isn't even responding to it. And the Democrats who earlier this week said that after careful consideration, it had become clear that Republicans plan to politicize this event. They said they're not showing up. But the truth is, everybody, the border environment requires a whole of government solution. And if these people can't even show up, then we've got a problem. Now, let's talk about that drone. We've got a drone in the Black Sea. They are international waters. It is an unmanned drone. We have every right to be there. What do the Russians do? They literally drop fuel on the ground, on the drone. It's like you can't believe it. And then they fly in front of the drone and then I think they hit the propeller and the drone goes down. The Russians end up giving an award to their pilots who took out an American drone. And so uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin gets up there and he says, you know, this is not good, but they're not going to do anything about it. Why? Because it's the Biden administration, folks, and the banks. The banks are failing. We heard about it Sunday night and into Monday. And what are the, what is the administration doing? They're giving them a bailout. Now, I want to talk about the one bank. The one bank that uh, the Silicon Valley Bank was loaded with board members who were all leftists, who all gave to Clinton and Obama, who knew nothing about banking, and we go in and we save them. You know, this is really outrageous. We've got people in Palestine, Ohio, and the president still hasn't shown up. But, man, he's there in a minute and a half to make sure that our taxpayer dollars save that bank. And if a bank is not in a position to at least do its fiduciary duty and watch out for the shareholders, then they've got a problem. And I'm not so sure that we should be, you know, bailing them out. But that's what they're doing because... It's a liberal bank. So there's a lot that happened, and there also was a story that you may have heard about, Charlie Kirk, who's a good friend of the show and a friend of mine, who was defamed and maligned. The left, when they hate someone, they try to destroy them. Charlie Kirk is going to be on to talk about what he went through and what he will do as a result of the left's lies. And we've got General Keith Kellogg, who's going to talk to us about the downing of that American drone and what it means for uh, American-Russian relations to the extent there even are any, and what it means for Ukraine and the proxy war that's going on there. So we're going to get to all those issues here. So stay with us, but never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11, everyone. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Guys, I really mean it. These people go to war on our behalf, young men and women, and they need your help. And, you know, the government isn't bailing them out. The government is bailing out leftist banks. The government is making sure that the illegals have whatever they need, but it's the veterans who need your help. So please support Tunnel to Towers by giving $11 a month. And up next here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with military expert and retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg. It's all coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. It's the Judge Janine Show. 
on 77 WABC. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is retired Lieutenant General in the United States Army, former National Security Advisor. Uh, you've heard him on this show before, and I'm sure you've seen him on Fox News. Please join me in welcoming General Keith Kellogg to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, the general, of course, has served uh, as National Security Advisor, and uh, but more importantly, during the Vietnam War, he served in the 101st Airborne Division, uh, and uh, he was a uh, Special Forces Officer, Special Forces Advisor. Uh, it was during his time in Vietnam that he earned the Silver Star, Bronze Star with the V device and Air Medal with the V device, commanded the 3rd Brigade, 7th Infantry Division during Operation Just Cause. And it goes on and on from there. Uh, he was in the Mojave Desert, and uh, he has guys, let's just put it this way, uh, he's walked the walk. So, welcome, General Kellogg. I want to talk uh, this week about the drone that was taken down by the Russians and uh, the implications of it. Let me first start by giving you my impression and, and tell me if, if any of this makes sense to you. Uh, to me, it was a direct act of provocation. Uh, it was not an accident. And I think the fact that uh, it was an unmanned drone, uh, you know, gives us the ability to uh, not take it as seriously as we might have had it been a manned drone. But it's my understanding that we ultimately took it down. Is that correct? Yeah. First of all, Judge, thanks for having me on today. It's always great to be with you. <clears throat> well, we didn't take it down. Really, when <clears throat> the uh, Russian aircraft actually hit and it damaged the propeller, it, it came down because it was a propeller-driven <clears throat> A UAV, it's called the Reaper. And it was clearly a, uh, an egregious act by the Russians. Look what happened just yesterday. The Russian military and the Russian government gave medals to right. both of those pilots flying those aircraft, which means they were really proud of what happened. And they were flying the, the Reaper, the, the drone, the unarmed drone, was flying in international airspace. Now it was probably gathering information like it's supposed to do in, in that area and probably looking down because it was in the Black Sea region, probably looking down and being able to try gather some information uh, on what's happening actually in Crimea, uh, intelligence information, which, which is okay. That happens to everybody, but they took it down. And to me, that was an egregious assault on, on U.S. Uh, U.S. aircraft. It, I don't care if it was manned or unmanned. And my frustration is that when you listen to what uh, Judge, what uh, you had Lloyd Austin talking about, the Secretary of Defense and then the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, it was almost like, oh, that's no real big deal. And he sounded like a bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. Instead of sounding like the Secretary, the Secretary of Defense and the leading military officer, the principal military advisor to the president, which I said, like, we're not going to tolerate this, and, and we shouldn't. We didn't tolerate it before in the Trump administration, and they shouldn't in this administration either. You well, know, when we lost a drone, a judge, uh, in, the, in the Gulf, we went to all hands on deck and brought congressional leaders in as well. So this is a serious incident. Well, it is a serious incident, but, uh, you know, they're not taking it so seriously. My understanding, General Kellogg, is that there are Sidewinder missiles on these drones, even the unmanned drones. Do we know whether there was one on this one? And could it have responded? There there wasn't, Judge, and it it takes a rule of engagement to do it. You can arm those, the Reapers, 
all the UAVs have the capacity to do it. We actually developed that about five years ago mm-hmm. during the, the when we were flying them around Iraq and around Iran. That you can put what's called an AIM nine X. AIM's AIM stands for Air Intercept Missile. Mm-hmm. You can put those missiles on board on the rails um, of a of a drone, and then what you do is you create your rules of engagement. And that's what the, the military calls it. That if those aircraft are engaged by an enemy aircraft or an aggressive aircraft, then the operator who's actually flying the drone, which is an Air Force officer uh, in Romania who's flying this one, can release the the uh, AIM-9X against the, the target. And that would send a very clear message, and that's what I would have done. I would have, if I was the Secretary of Defense, I would have said this. I picked up the phone and called Defense Secretary Shogu from the Russians and said, we are now going to arm those drones, and we're going to tell you right now that if one tries to engage one of our UAVs, he has uh, weapons free to knock down your jet. Now, if you want to do it, fine. But I'm just telling you right now, you do it, you do it at your own risk. But the idea, General Kellogg, that they were actually dumping fuel on the drone and, you know, flying in front of the drone. I mean, that to me, is that's like degradation. It's like an insult. Well, that, Judge, that's kind of an understatement on that one. It's more of an insult. It was like, this is kind of in your face. You know, it's yeah. like a, it's like a dog doing something on a fire hydrant. That's okay? exactly then, what I thought, General, and I didn't want to say it. It's like someone peeing on your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. And, I mean, hey, you know, it's just it's an insult to Americans. And we're the, if we're supposed to be the world's greatest superpower and the best military in the world, then we ought to have the leadership behind that that does it. I mean, you can't have the great aircraft, great men, great men and women in uniform and all the great systems if you're not going to use them and if you're not going to threaten to use them. And we didn't do it. And then, of course, what happens? And that's what I said at the top of the show there. The fact that that they awarded these two pilots medals for being, yes. the, you know, which also here's what's going to happen, Judge. It's just going to increase their ability to do that because they said, well, look, we got away with it. They didn't do anything. Right. And we're going to do it again. We're going to do it well, again. everything, everything is a test. And, uh, you know, but the amazing part of it is no one owns the Black Sea. We've been operating in the Black Sea for, what, 15, 20 years. I mean, where did yeah. they get off? Well, what happened is we withdraw all the warships, and now the problem you run into, because of the Montreux Convention, you cannot reintroduce those warships because the person who owns the passageway, the Dardanelles, is is are the Turks, and that's Erdogan, and he allows people in and out because the convention allows him to do that. So once we withdrew those ships, which was a huge mistake, we should have been able to put those ships back in there, and then we'd have fighting vessels in there because the only now real military that is in the Black Sea is, in fact, the Russian Black Sea Fleet, which is mm-hmm. actually quite large. Um, and, and so we don't have an ability to react in there. So now that the drone's down there, we can't even go find it because we don't have the assets to do it. Well, uh, you know, the truth is that um, we are we are giving a lot of our military equipment to Ukraine. So then we get to the issue of, you know, you, you said we were the number one, you know, military uh, power in the world. As we give more and more of our, you know, M1A1 Abrams tanks and, and, and all of the other stuff to Ukraine, we are diminishing our own supply at a time when it looks like, you know, we're engaged in this proxy war and Russia is now aligned with China, um, you know, none of this looks good for us. But but I think that Russia, haven't they been minimized in the eyes of the world, that, that military incompetence and bad leadership? I mean, you know, they can do what they want, but they, they are not the superpower they think they are. No, Judge, that's actually, absolutely right. And I remember at the start of this war over a year ago, 
when all this went on. And as a U.S. military officer of, of any organization and, and actually of any and nationality, you fight on what's called principles of war. There are certain principles of war. They call it mass or surprise or simplicity or unity of command. There's only so many of them out there. And the Russians happen to violate every one of them. And it just shocked me when it happened because I said we would hold been told all along how good they are and they're at the command level of violating. And, and here's what's kind of interesting. When, when, you, when I dug into it and started to look at it, the guy that was actually – that caused – the, the Russian military to kind of downsize was this guy Gerasimov, who was equivalent to their chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And of course, it's, it, come, it comes full circle because he's now the last standing commander commanding Russian forces in Ukraine. And if he goes, I mean, there's nobody behind him. I mean, he, they've, all, they've gone down to their last real general. Mm-hmm. They fired five of them before. And this is the guy who brought the Russian military to where it's at today because he totally misread the battlefield. And then when they committed the forces they committed them to, you know, one of the things they should have done, and, and, it would, would, and that's when I made a comment about a year ago, what you do is you, quote, wait the main attack. And the main attack should have been destabilized and totally eliminate the Ukrainian government because if they had gotten to Zelensky and, and been able to capture Kiev, then the, then Ukraine would have fallen, and that they didn't do that. They, they didn't do that. that, and and the amaz- the interesting thing, General Kellogg, is that we are becoming the cause of Russian of the Russian army demise. Curiously, uh, but that doesn't mean that China isn't going to back up Russia. Where do you see us with respect to uh, you know the the uh, alliances that seem to be forming as we kind of. Put our toe in the in in the war in Ukraine, you know. And and I'm just going to ask you a question. I mean, had we acted sooner, this could have been over. Yeah, you know. First of all, Joe Biden is talking about bumper stickers. You know, when you talk about as long as it takes, as much as it takes, that's not a strategy. And and nobody can tell me and that where the end state is because they haven't declared an end state. What it looks like, and that's a real flaw in this administration. They haven't been able to do that. And, and the Congress should challenge them on that because it, it, how does this thing end? How do you plan on ending this thing? All right, General Keith Kellogg, I want to thank you for joining us this morning on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Keep fighting the good fight. We appreciate your sharing your insight with us, General. Really, thank you so much. And up next on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, we're going to be speaking with political activist and radio talk show host Charlie Kirk, who's been in the news this week. I got to tell you, folks, the left is going crazy over this guy. They will do anything they can to destroy, defame and malign him. But uh, Charlie Kirk is on next right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. 
WIBC. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Donald Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a political activist, a radio talk show host, a founder of Turning Point USA, and a friend to all of us, and a good friend of mine. Please join me in welcoming Charlie Kirk to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers show. Now, for those of you who may not know Charlie, he is a founder and executive director of Turning Point USA, which is a national student movement dedicated to identifying, organizing, and empowering young people to promote the principles of free market, limited government. And since its inception in 2012, Charlie has grown Turning Point from nothing to having representation in over 1,200 high schools and college campuses nationwide and with 150 full-time staff. At 23 years old, he appeared on Fox News, CNN, used to be on my show Justice all the time. Uh, he's always on television. He is a powerhouse. And just so you know, folks, Turning Point is a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, and its mission is a very important one, is to promote the principles of freedom, free markets, and li- limited government. Now, um, Charlie was in the news this week. Uh, and uh, he joins us. Charlie, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you, Judge. You were in the news. Uh, you were, uh, look, you're always in the middle of something because you were promoting crazy things like free speech and uh, the right to say what you think. And you actually debate people who don't come near you in terms of intelligence. What happened this week? It was an extraordinary story, Judge, and honored to be here. Thank you. And thanks for all the, the kind words of support. So I, I went to go give a speech at University of California, Davis, and I've done over 100 of these over the last 10 years um, at Turning Point USA. I think I've given more campus speeches than any other person in the last decade. And, you know, sometimes they get a little heated, but this is, this is unlike anything I've ever seen or experienced. Yes, it was violent. Yes, Antifa tried to come into the building and they smashed windows and they assaulted a police officer. They hurled projectiles at our students, death threats, outright intimidation, blocking of entrances. All of that happened, and that is rare, and that is awful. But the most extraordinary part of it, Judge, is that the chancellor of the university, Gary May, who earns over $800,000, earlier in the day he made a video that was materially and factually incorrect about my views. He said that I promote violence against trans individuals. That is a lie. That is the opposite of my beliefs. And he was quoting a Sacramento Bee story, Judge, where they said, I call for the lynching of trans people, an Orwellian lie, reprehensible. And it started from an Internet rumor on Twitter of some activist that completely made up one of my views of a video that I did with Riley Gaines, who you probably did a story on her. She's amazing. She was the young lady um, mm-hmm. who competed against Thomas from University of Pennsylvania. Leah when, Thomas. Yeah, right. Yes, that's right. And so then Riley Gaines um, said I felt uncomfortable when male genitalia was exposed to me. I did a whole segment on that. And then this trans activist said that I somehow called for the lynching of trans people, not even close, not even remotely in the same universe. But then it snowballed into the university chancellor making a video and inciting a mob. And so that's really the story and the takeaway here, Judge. Yes, the kids become terrorists on these campuses and smash windows and all this. But it's now the adults and the head of the university that are acting in completely and totally reprehensible ways. Well, you know, Charlie Kirk, um, you and, and if anyone follows you on Instagram, 
uh, you'll see you actually debate. You go toe-to-toe with students. You never lose your cool. You know, uh, you never flinch. You just don't. You are totally on an intellectual level trying to convince people or trying to at least argue or knock some sense into them. And, 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 and knock is even a harsh word for you because you simply debate. But, you see, I'm not surprised that you've got, you know, the, the head of a university or someone in a supervisory capacity at a college because college, as you know, is all about indoctrination. And, right. you know, but but the defamatory piece, look, they maligned you. They defamed they you by saying you called for the lynching of trans people. Now, it's you know, illegal. he cannot use the the quote from the Sacramento Bee. You've got a case against the Sacramento Bee. You've got a case against him. What are you going to do? Yeah, so we're already talking to Harmeet Dillon, who I think uh, is one of the best. We love Harmeet. Yeah, she's amazing. And And look, Judge... I, I don't I don't go into lawsuits with joy and all that. I want to do my business, and the courts can take up a lot of time and money. But this is necessary. We we have to press legal action. I have no idea if I'll be successful in a California court. It doesn't matter. There needs to be a lawsuit filed. We have to sue these people. We have to try to hold them accountable because if they could do it to me, they could do it to anybody else. And there are damages, right? The damages yeah. are that there was a riot. I had to pay an extra $40,000 for security. Uh, to protect me and protect our students, right? But beyond Amazing. the money cost, which is you know is considerable and real, I, I I am praising God that nobody got hospitalized. These people came with weapons, Judge. They came with weapons trying to be- gain entry into the building. And we're on radio right now, so it's hard to kind of demonstrate the visual. But mm-hmm. if you watch the video, they came up to these doors and they started smashing the windows. They tried to reach inside as if these were almost quasi-military maneuvers. And I do not believe they would have done that with that kind of gusto and that kind of, you know, brazen activity if it wasn't for the lies that were spread. They spread the lies to then justify the violence. Well, not not only the spreading of the lies, but the seeming approval from the head of the university. Well, yeah, and it gets even worse than that. I mean, the Mm -hmm. university president then said it would be a very powerful statement if Charlie Kirk had to speak to an empty room. Judge, that could be interpreted as don't let people in. Yeah, it, well, it is. But, you know, Charlie Kirk, yeah. this has been happening since I, I, I think Miles Yiannopoulos at UC yep. Berkeley, which is a birthplace, allegedly, of free speech. When that happened and they came in with the crowbars and they tried to burn down the university and no one got arrested. It was 12 hours. It was a standoff. No one got arrested. I said, this is not the America I grew up in. You are in the eye of the of the storm. You were always in there trying to make the point, Charlie Kirk, that America has certain rights and that this this slide toward Marxism, socialism, fascism, they are the fascists. They want to shut everyone down. You're looking yeah, that, to talk to people. Yeah, that, that's that's so well said. And the Sacramento Bee also called me a fascist in their headline. That is un, that is incorrect and is also you know, libelous, but I can't probably sue on that because that's just, you know, unfortunately, as a public figure. Right, but right. But it was so interesting, and that's just too bad, and you got to just fight back against that. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting, Judge, that every single one of our events, including the event we did at University of California, Davis, when we do questions, but we don't do questions like anybody else. We say if you disagree, anybody, professor, subject matter expert, reporter, student, you're allowed to go to the front of the line, and you can have the mic and say whatever you want to Charlie. I'm a pretty bad fascist. 
if that's the case, Judge, right? Yep. If I, I'm, yep. I'm telling people to come and disagree with me, and you're right. That's the essence of Turning Point USA. I have very strong opinions about America being a great country. I am a conservative. But I also know that people disagree with me, and this country will fall apart if all of a sudden we act like we're the only ones that have opinions. But guess what? When you go to campus, you find out you things. It strengthens your argument. It should strengthen theirs. This university chancellor refused to acknowledge that we even allowed the left-wing views to be platformed, which we did. It was actually a beautiful event on the inside, despite all of the disappointing violence and terror that happened on the outside. All right. So, Charlie, you heard about the federal judge. Uh, and yes, the problem it that, happened not far from Davis, it was right. in Stanford. It was about 200 miles away. Yeah. And, you know, this federal judge was invited and shut down. And, and I think that did the professor apologize for inviting the federal judge. Yeah. Well, not only that. Yeah, they apologized for it. And then the university came out with some very weak and vanilla statement. I mean, and just so your, your audience doesn't know the story, it's super quick. Stanford University Law School judge. This is not like just some random you know, intro freshman to liberalism class, right? Right. This is these a are lot. lawyers, these are, future these lawyers. Are, yeah, these are future Supreme Court clerks or future FBI agents. Boy, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. And future prosecutors. These are going to be people with a lot of power of allegedly the third best law school in America. They invite a federal judge who's very well accomplished, the Federalist Society did, and the dean, the dean of diversity, equity, inclusion, whatever that means, comes and incites a protest against him. And these, these students are so rude. And if for everyone in the audience interrupting him and heckling him, they might think, oh, that's an isolated incident. At Yale University last year, you might remember a very similar thing happened. At Yale Law School, when someone from the Alliance Defending Freedom, wonderful organization, came, and they started interrupting that speaker as well at the law school. And right. so I mean, these are students that are going to have to hear different opinions, Judge. I mean, you know it better than anybody else. In a courtroom, you might not always hear what you want to hear. You're going to start interrupting and heckling them. You're going to well, start let me ask I mean, you this, Charlie Kirk. Do you think that any of these people will be hired, any of these young law oh, students? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, I mean, I'm not a big cancel culture person, <laughs> but the threshold, I, I mean, but honestly, you got to have accountability. The threshold yeah. of becoming a lawyer in America, you got to draw a line, right? Yep. You, you should, I mean, you know it. I mean, if you tweet something wrong as a lawyer, you could you could be put in front of the bar for ethics, right? Yes. I mean, the fact that this is insane. No, they should not be allowed in the legal profession, in my opinion. Well, you know, every Charlie Kirk, everyone who applies for admission to the bar has to submit a character statement, yeah. you know, and the bar can make a decision to not allow you to practice in that area based upon your character. But here's the frightening part of this. You know, the ideology started in, in you know, in universities. And now a lot of these universities have students who've graduated and are now the heads of corporations. Uh, and, you know, that's why we're getting all this lunacy at the top. I never thought it would happen uh, to lawyers, number one. But put that aside. What happened to you was an outrage. It was a lie. It was slander. It was de- it was libel. It was defamation. There are damages. And, Charlie Kirk, you absolutely have to. You have to sue because – and the amazing part is someone like you, Charlie Kirk, to, and my audience should hear this, you have spoken so many times to so many people for the last 10 years, I mean, 
you don't even have to worry about having said anything that can be interpreted in any negative way, whereas That's everybody correct. else has to say, gee, I wonder if something I said 12 years ago is going to come back <laughs> to haunt me. You're not that guy. No, no. And it's, I, I do over a 1,000 hours of radio and podcasting a year. I do over 500 hours of speaking a year, and I've done that for a decade. And so there, there's, about, there's about online about 25,000 hours of content that I've done in the last decade. I'm pretty sure if I said something as reprehensible as that, it would have come out early. <laughs> I mean, it's right. so and, and it's so ridiculous. And the fact that Sacramento be a big paper judge, yes, published that shows that it is reckless intent, and then kept repeating it throughout the day. And mm-hmm. so, I, I, the, I think I can win. I mean, I don't know about a California judge or <laughs> the court there, yes. but you, you never know. But I mean, there's real damages if you get a free speech judge. If you get somebody who's mm-hmm. you know a classical liberal who looks at this and says, boy, you know, this campus could have burned down because of these lies, then we might have something here. Yeah, but you know what, Charlie? You were put, it's not just the defamation of your character and who you are. It's not just a lie. It's not just a a, a vicious, malicious, untrue accusation. It literally puts you, Charlie Kirk, in the danger zone. It literally puts a bullseye on you. And these people are unhinged. Yeah, they are. I mean, look, this is part of being in public life. I don't say this in any delight. You know, this judge, I get death threats every day. It's sad. It's disturbing. And, you know, but what really bothers me, though, is our students started to receive death threats to judge because of this. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the kind of radius of danger increased because all of a sudden they say, oh, you're associated with Charlie Kirk. And they started publishing these students private dormitory information where their parents lived. Yep. Thankfully, no one's been hurt or anything. But you you know why they do that. They do that for intimidation and potential exactly. targeting and violence. Exactly. And so, look, and, and the final thing I'll say is, you know, some of my sarcastic critics on the right, they'll say, oh, Charlie, why do you go to these liberal places? You know that you're going to get the reaction you get. That's <laughs> preposterous. We live in America. I should be able to go to any college campus and have peaceful speech. This, this is ridiculous. It's to say that I'm somehow to blame their oh, Charlie, it's victim blame, and it, it's in, Charlie Kirk. It's infuriating to me that people on the right would say, "Why do you put yourself in that situation?" Instead of saying, "Charlie Kirk, thank you so much for putting yourself in the line of fire for fighting for the principles of this country, for free speech, for free press, for the ability to say and think and dialogue," they shouldn't be saying why. Look, but they blame the victim. Look, Charlie, I had thirty-two years in law enforcement. Do you blame the victim? Why? Because then you say it'll never happen to me. If I can make someone feel that you were somehow at fault, then I am excluded from ever having to experience this nonsense. They're coming for the other people next, and you know it, Charlie. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Judge. That, that's beautifully stated. Yep. And anyway, I also just want to remind your audience, you've got to stand for free speech or else the country the country ends. God bless well, you, Charlie you. Kirk. God bless and you. And Turning thanks, Point. George. We love you. Thank you. All right, everybody. That guy's a real hero. Uh, and speaking of heroes, never forget. That's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Come on, everybody, at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. This is the Judge Janine Show on 77 WABC. This is the Janine Bureau Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. 
Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. What we heard today were some really concerning issues about America and her military strength, whether or not we're going to be able to maintain that strength, and whether or not we are going to be uh, the uh, be the country that Ronald Reagan talked about, where we have peace through strength. I'm not quite sure we have that with Joe Biden. In fact, I'm sure we don't have it with Joe Biden. You know, when I watch men and women in our military, how proud they are, and I watch some of them come back with fewer limbs, I say thank you, thank you for your service, and thank you to Tunnel to Towers for what you do to make their lives better. Because the government isn't making their lives better. The government is not in a position to reward these heroes. But we are, and we can do it every day. But let's talk about Charlie Kirk for a moment. Charlie Kirk is a small example of what the left is doing to shut us down. I don't know what happened to this country or when it happened, but it was a few years ago that we realized that America is not the America that we grew up in. There is a fundamental premise in this nation that people have the right to say what they wish. It is confirmed in the Constitution. It is affirmed by the United States Supreme Court. And yet what is happening is anyone on the right who expresses an opinion is assaulted by a mob, by Antifa, which is supposed to be anti-fascist, when they are the fascists. Charlie Kirk is an example He was accused of calling for the lynching of trans people. He didn't do that. He never said that. But they actually printed that in a newspaper, and he demanded an apology. It was false. It was defamatory. But what the left is trying to do is what Joe Biden is trying to do, and that is divide and gin up hate. I've never seen anything like it in the history of this country. Joe Biden tries to divide us, those MAGA Republicans. And then on a smaller level, you've got individuals accusing other individuals of hate on issues that are very sensitive issues. Thank God for Charlie Kirk. Thank God for what he does. This is a guy who has fought for free speech on campuses and has been willing to go toe-to-toe with everyone else because he believes that the U.S. Constitution is the most exceptional political document ever written. And he believes that capitalism is the most moral and proven economic system ever discovered. But that's not what a lot of young people think today. They believe in socialism. They think it's good. But that's because they're naive. And that's because they're lazy. And the government is doing that. So Joe Biden is committed to fighting crime. So what does he do? He goes after the guns and not the criminals to stop crime. He fails to explain how his latest plan to reduce gun violence will stop criminals as he claims that it's the Republicans pushing defund police. Now, I want to tell you, folks, if you have any recollection at all, in 2020, it was Cori Bush, it was Ilhan Omar, it was AOC, it was uh, Ayanna Presley, all of them defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. Now they want to turn it around as if they didn't say it. And by the way, 
this president is so clueless as it relates to crime that he's going to make sure that he makes getting a gun almost impossible. But he's, he doesn't recognize that the guns that are being used in crimes are illegal guns. These are the guns being used in, in drug crimes and gang crimes and the, the kinds of crimes where you just buy a gun on the street and sometimes you get rid of it. He's affecting legal gun owners and not the illegal gun owners. And by the way, if you want to stop gun crime and gun criminals, you got to keep them locked up. Thanks to the left, we let them out as soon as we bring them in. It's called cashless bail. So you catch someone with a gun, you bring them in, and you write them up, and you let them out. I'm surprised they don't let them out with a gun. The illegal or the criminal goes out there and gets another gun. This president is clueless when it comes to fighting crime. And so, folks, as we close today, I want you to think about the people who are out there fighting for us, our men and women in the military, and men and women who are out there in America confronting the leftist ideologues. Okay, I can't believe we're out of time already. Make sure you join us right back here next week, same time, same place, same me, for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show.